You're listening to the Inside Line F1 podcast and this is the second part of our special interview with Atle Gulbranson one of the most experienced commentators in the world and believe you me he started commentating on Formula 1 in Norway at the age of 17 and today it's been around 25 seasons since he's been doing that it's incredible the amount of experience he carried and the stories that he shared in part 1 we discussed all about Formula 1 in Scandinavia why or why not it may happen sometime in the future more about dennis hauger norway's best chance for a formula 1 driver ever essentially after being the formula 3 champion last year and how artley has gone on to become one of the most experienced commentators in the world all of that and more was a part of part 1 part 2 is going to be more on artley's friendly competition with kimi raikkonen and when he actually beat kimi not once but twice and if of course formula 1 should also host grand prix on wednesdays and more of that stuff so let's not waste any more time let's listen to artley and his stories and don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast folks and if you're loving what we're doing leave a good rating as well it does us a world of good but let's not wait any more shall we let's listen to artley gulbranson one of the voices of formula 1 But now that we're on this topic of drivers, Atle, I have to talk to you about, let's say, more on the past of Formula One, more on the drivers you've seen, more on the more on the championships that you've witnessed. Any driver as such that comes up in your mind that you probably expected a little bit more from uh, personally? I mean, uh, no, normally it could be, say, someone like JP Montoya, the first thing that comes up to mind. But who, who do you think could be, let's say, that big missed opportunity for Formula One in in terms of someone who could have been the superstar but just didn't quite work out? Ah, okay. This this, this is all, going all, to be a controversial one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know, uh, Kimi is a great driver. Mm. Now he is retired. Uh, he has a fantastic career, but only one world title. Yeah. Uh, maybe he should have had more world titles. Um. Yeah. and it's difficult to to answer or to say why but but maybe he he could have been working even harder mm. um and you know kimi is a really fun guy uh, i met him he's a is is a good guy uh but he is also um he's been like he 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 has became this legend because he he is not that uh, he is not that fond of uh doing interviews and and talk to media and everything and and because of that he has he 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 gets this status uh as a yeah as sort of a legend yeah you, you also have to remember that a formula 1 to be a formula 1 driver your job is not only to drive the car yeah it's also to talk to the media it's also to 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 promote your team and you promote your sponsors sort of and sometimes i think that kimi could have been better at that uh actually to 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 also sometimes respect that mm. the media is there to do a job and his job sometimes is also to maybe answer a bit more and <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah give some more of himself sort of um but as a driver I think that maybe Kimi he could have achieved more mm. he should have achieved more than he did even though he had a fantastic career um but he like sort of deserves more than one title I think 
Yeah, and realistically, in the later half of the career as well, it it could have and should have been possible. But about Kimi, there's two very interesting things. Uh, firstly, it's one thing I have to mention that uh, Kunal told me that you actually beat Kimi in a friendly karting race <laughs> once. And I've seen that video. You got that lovely Santander trophy as well. So you've got to tell us more about that. But uh, does it frustrate you? We, we've always had so many guests on the media side here on the podcast, but we've never quite got the chance to ask this question. Does it get frustrating to interview Kimi at times? Because it's fun. It's fun whenever he just gives short answers. But that's from the viewer's side, no? For someone yep. trying to extract some information, let's say, for for the channel or for, for the media website, it just becomes very frustrating, doesn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, that's a correct word to use. Uh, and so that is exactly what I'm I'm saying. That mm. it, it's 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 fun, and and uh, a lot of fans they they like what they see. But as a journalist, it could be frustrating because you're there to do a job, and then you have to like cooperate with the drivers, sort of. And when this uh, cooperation it's not that easy. It could be frustrating, but mm. of course, Kimi is a really, really, really good guy. Uh, but he doesn't like the interviews that much. But yeah. um, well, that's how it is. That's how it is. And and what was the experience like beating him? I know he must have. <laughs> he mustn't have been in the most competitive of moods. But you've got to talk to us about that. That must have been a crazy race. Yeah, that's a fun story. It's uh, it's of course not important at all. But uh, the thing was that uh, <laughs> oh, come um, on, Ki- it's always fun to Kimi- brag that you beat Kimi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he came to Norway. Uh, when was this? 2014, I think. Hmm. Uh, on on this uh, sponsorship event with Santander. Yeah. Uh, at the Norwegian go kart track. Um, and then uh, they invited some journalists to drive a, a karting race uh, against Kimi with just rental cars. Mm. Um, and it was quite fun because they invited me. Uh, I don't think that Santander maybe at the time knew that I also was a race car driver. But um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I was invited. Uh, and in one of the in in one of the biggest newspapers in Norway, the day before, they mm-hmm. had a story about Kimmy coming to Norway. And this guy from Santander, he he uh, told the newspaper that they were going to have this go kart race with journalists uh, against Kimmy, and that of course Kimmy would win that easily. <laughs> So I thought, well, let's see about that. Uh, and I, 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 so I went down to this uh, this track, and it, it, it was a draw. We 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 had a draw for the starting positions, uh, and I was lucky. I I I, had, I got pole position, and and Kimi was starting last. It was oh. I think we were like 10, 12 uh, competitors. So then we had the this race. Uh, which we knew about, we, we were there to do one race. Uh, Kimi, he passed uh, everyone except uh, except me. So I, I won the race before Kimi, uh, but of course I started in pole, so it was not a big deal. And uh, we just laughed about it. Uh, but suddenly uh, it, it seemed that this was not the plan for, for Santander and Ferrari <laughs> and everyone. So, so they said that, oh, oh uh, we, have to, we, we are going to have another race, race number two. <laughs> so, okay, we, we didn't know that, but okay, we, we, are, we can do another race. And then they, they pointed at me and they said that uh, you, you have to start at the back together with Kimi. Uh, so Kimi and you uh, at the ba- at the the 
the row at the at the back. Uh, so of, of, uh, that's of course okay for me. Um, and um, so this time it was a real race. Uh, we, we we had the, the sort of the same starting position. Uh, and I took the start, and I passed everyone yeah. uh, quite easily. And Kimi was r- r- behind me, and he passed everyone, but not me. And he, he couldn't catch me, and he couldn't pass me. So I also won the second race. Um, and that was fun, because, uh, yeah, that that was on, on, we were on level at that race. Um, and it was even more fun afterwards, actually, because... Um, Kimi was of course all fine about it. It was it was yeah. the world's least important race for me as well. It was a rental car race, nothing to 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 um, to brag about really. But but um, so so we just laughed about it. It was fun. I I got a, a prize for it. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, another thing, it was uh, <laughs> it. it, it uh, a guy who, who knew Kimi from before he he came. Uh-huh. Uh, I can I can tell you who it was. Actually, his manager Har- Harold Hoisman, who, who who was his manager for um, um, uh, some years ago, and who is uh, Dennis Herger's manager today. Hmm. And uh, and uh, so so Kimi and Harold they were talking, and um, and uh, Harold pointed at me, and he said uh, to Kimi. But you know this guy he he weighs like sixty five kilos. So so. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's no wonder that that he won. And afterwards, I, I then I I went to Ferrari.com and and found Kimi's uh, bio, and it said weight sixty five kilos for Kimi also. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were quite level. But but the fun thing was that um, a few hours later that evening. Someone called me and they said I, that I had to go to Ferrari.com actually. Um, mm. To, to read a report uh, about uh, Kimi's visit to Norway, they, they had written an article about him being in Norway and yeah, uh, what he did there. And then they also wrote in this article at Ferrari.com that uh, they had a go kart race with Kimi to, uh, against journalists, and that Kimi won the race easily. <laughs> and I was. Well, uh, what's this? He he, he didn't <laughs> he didn't win this race, um, and 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 the and the strength is the strange thing is that this article was like they sent it out as a press release, so it was even in uh, Gazzetto della Sport, one of oh the my. biggest sporting newspapers in in Italy. Uh, so I tweeted, and I, I so I made a tweet, uh, and I wrote that, um, "Hey Ferrari, what's this? This is not correct. I won the race," <laughs> and this like spread all over. And uh, a few hours later, they they um, had uh, changed the text, and now it stood that um, uh, Kimi uh, did the race against journalists. Uh, he started from behind. <laughs> and he uh, finished in a finished second, and nothing more. And it, it it didn't say that the winner. He also started from behind, and that was me. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so much of good press, right? I've been seeing your name accompanying that, but it, it, and that that's what that's what Ferrari tends to do often. Just just silence things that don't quite work out with their own narrative. You I don't shouldn't... know. I, it seems like they had written the text uh, in front. 
so the text was like ready. Uh, <laughs> I I was to be honest very very surprised that they wrote about a rental car cart race. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That that was very surprising for me, but they did, and probably the text had been written before the race, and they expected Kimi to win, but he didn't. <laughs> And Atle, did you did you even tell them, or, or at the very end, when did you actually tell them that you're you're a racing driver and this is no fluke at all? And what was the reaction like? Uh, no, I, I think <laughs> when I came, when I came, uh, it was some people there knowing me, uh, uh-huh. so so they knew that uh, I had some experience. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it was. Uh, it was a fun experience. It's it's a good story, mm. uh, most of all. That's that's what it is. It's a it's a, it's a fun good story. I also know that Kimi he remembers this himself uh, a few years later. Someone reminded him, and he he yeah he remembered it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's a it's a good story. Uh, and as I said earlier, Kimi is a good guy. Mm. I I hope more for him as a, uh, I hope more for him his career. But I I think he is very satisfied himself, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he should have been a bit more helpful with the media sometimes, but that's how he is, and I respect that. Uh, but for me and the Kimi story, it's just a, it's just a fun story. It was a really fun experience. But um, I have a, I have won some other races, which uh, are more important for me exactly <laughs> exactly and so many of them in the VLA and so many in the Norwegian national championships as well but getting on the whole Kimi point right with Kimi it's very interesting that Liberty Media have got him to become this cool legend and they've matched up his perception that way in the media and I think you mentioned about how good Liberty Media has been in terms of making Formula One better any anything that you think is still missing though because I think Kunal told me that you and him had a really fun chat about Wednesday evening races and maybe that prospect that could potentially happen. Uh, well, how do you look at it that way? Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, I, I, I have to, I have to like talk about this from a, a Norwegian perspective. Hmm. I don't know how it is in other countries, but when I when I grew up, uh, my dad was watching Formula One races on Sundays. Hmm. And that was no problem. Uh, if you want to watch a Formula One race on Sunday, you you do watch a Formula One race on Sunday. Mm. Today, when I talk to my friends with small kids, they say, I would really like to watch the Formula One race on Sunday, but I can't because I have to we have it's it's family time. It's a day off. Yeah. We are going to the to the woods, or we are going to the beach, or we are going skiing, or whatever. Uh, and I, I, so that's why I, I think it's quite strange that Formula One doesn't try or discuss at least to have midweek races, hmm. because I think if you had a Formula One race Wednesday night, um, it would be you would have much more viewers on TV. And uh, you can compare that to Champions League uh, football. Yeah, They are playing midweek, and it's a huge success. Because Sunday at, uh, at 3 o'clock, many families, and I guess it's like this in other countries as well, it's family time. Uh, 
it's not the time where you're s- supposed to sit in front of the TV. Mm. But Wednesday night at eight o'clock, the kids are in bed and um, you can watch TV. So, so yeah, uh, Kunal and I have been talking about that. Um, and um, I don't know, Kunal, if you agree with me, but uh, I, I think that would be an would be a good idea for Formula One. I, absolutely, I think it's it's a great idea to pursue because uh, you know at the end of the day, Formula One is also running out of Sundays to mm. host races on. So <laughs> maybe putting it on a Wednesday idea. and yeah, yeah, yeah. But on a more serious note, you know, a lot of other global sports have taken up the weekday evening slots. So maybe mm. there is merit in Formula One to also go down a route and see how it goes. And then, of course, you know, this is where everyone listening in would be like, yeah, but there's a Grand Prix weekend format. When will they do practice? And when will they have qualifying? But, you know, from where Atle and I have been doing this for several years, of course, Atle has done it five times more than I have. Uh, if they want to actually do it on a Wednesday evening or any other weekday evening or something, they can work the entire schedule around that. So I'm, I would definitely upvote the idea along with a lot of other, uh, you know, news and tweets of Atlas that go viral on Reddit. I would definitely upvote <laughs> this idea. But actually, on, on a more serious note, right, it realistically can potentially be tried out because Asian races, that's uh, in a way... I mean, that would be a bit closer because it's it's tried to match up to the European timing. But if you just keep it as a standalone thing, if you try to make sure that it's Wednesday evening for, let's say, Europe, where today, of course, there's most of the Formula 1 market existing, there, there could be a chance because, as you guys mentioned, football has done it. And it's not like Formula 1 is a radically different product in terms of the viewing experience. Right? It's, again, a similar two-hour sit-down and relax sort of experience that football offers you. So... There is a chance, and do you think Liberty Media will be bold enough to try it, Atle? Because they've they've tried things like Sprint. They are yep. known to be a bit more aggressive on that front. But do you reckon it'll ever happen? And what what about the other traditionalists? Have they have they approached you about yeah. this as well and had a few harsh words? Yeah, if someone are willing to try it, it's Liberty Media probably. Hmm. Um, we see today that the the races. Uh, where we have most viewers, that's the North American races because mm. they go late Sunday evening. Um, so yeah, I think Liberty maybe are willing to try something like this. Um, it could be some other challenges as well, of course. For the spectators, it's much better for a, a, with a weekend race, of course, when you have the day off to go to the races. Uh, but with the with the big interest of Formula One these days, I think you could probably fill the, the stands also at the Wednesday at yeah. uh, most of the tracks. And then, you, of course, you need to have the whole organization. And we have to remember that even if even though Formula One is a very professional sport, they are dependent of marshals yeah. that do this in their off time, actually. Uh, so that could be a challenge when you need several hundreds of marshals uh, at the racetrack. That's not that easy on a Tuesday and a Wednesday than on a uh, Saturday and a Sunday. But I think if you really want to try it, it's it's possible. 
and it doesn't have to be for all the races right it can no, be no. once or twice so it just makes it worth it like like the sprint essentially plan beforehand yep. and try it and it's interesting that we've touched up upon this because this just means that there's so many ideas flying around that we, we wouldn't even be suggesting it if bernie would be owning the sport so no. there's that but <laughs> how, how do you see things evolving with liberty atle uh, because they they're bold and they're trying stuff they're trying to equalize the whole game they've tried to bring in netflix this is just turning out to be a dream essentially for all of us yeah i i am so impressed over what liberty is doing um i think they are doing the right things a lot of the a lot of the things that i missed uh, some years ago hmm. uh, when i was thinking about from loan which, which i really low i i i i that's my passion uh, i Formula One has been my life uh, since I was at my first race as an eight-year-old at Paul Ricard in '88. Uh, oh, but you were there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was. I can. I can. I can take. I can tell you that story also. Uh, For sure. Uh, let me do that. Let me do that afterwards. But that's, that's a yeah. fun. That's a. That's actually also a fun story. But, but um, yeah, Formula One is my life, and I. Uh, it's it's my passion. I really really like Formula One. Uh, but there has been aspects so from one which i have been thinking could have been better hmm. uh, and which i was missing and then liberty media comes in and i think they are doing so much good uh netflix is one thing social media is another thing uh they they experiment experiment things they they like they had this uh if you remember the the race at Bahrain at the, at the outer circuit at Bahrain yeah. last year uh i don't think that would have been happening in in the old days but but now they they dare to do things like that and of course the new cars coming in uh it's really really good um i want cars uh that are more raceable uh with the more ground effect and um smaller or the wings are not smaller but they are not that effective uh i think the racing will be better i think the product will be better i think the the interest will just rise uh with the new cars um so yeah i i think liberty media is doing very very uh good things and then of course we can still discuss some of the countries that formula 1 travels to yeah. uh with uh, when you talk about human rights and everything that's something which is important to address and to have focus on uh and of course we have the final uh few laps of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh <laughs> which you also can discuss uh when you have this this uh sort of you have you have the sporting side and you have the entertainment side and and what really happened in those few last laps uh that's something which is very interesting to discuss but as a whole i would say that liberty media has been so so good for formula 1 and if i have two more minutes i will tell you about my first formula 1 race because i was 8 years old and i was uh, with my family uh, at a vacation in france uh-huh. and we were going to to polricard 
um, for the French Grand Prix in '88, and we 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 had the cheapest tickets uh, in the, at the end of the Mistral Strait. Hmm. And I was eight years old and like one meter high or something. So when I <laughs> I, I came there, I couldn't see one thing. I, I I didn't see the track. I didn't see the cars. I didn't see anything because everyone was standing around. Uh, and then my father, he, he sees this white van standing there and with some people on the roof of this van. Mm. And he points at me and he points at them. And he says that we have we, we we have come all the way from Norway to watch this race, but my my son he's he's so short he he, he can't see anything. So the the guys at the top of the the at the roof of the van they said just send him up. My oh. brother is working in the with oil in the in Norway. He said so just send him up. So I climbed up this uh, up to the roof of this van, and when I entered the roof, Alan Prost passed Ayrton Senna at the end of the Mistral Strait. Oh and uh, I got addicted to Formula One. <laughs> what an introduction to the sport, right? That That, that is quite something. Oof. And, and those cars, the sound, it yeah. already must have been just aligning towards the sport's favor at the very beginning. There's, there's no way you can't leave that place Without being a Formula One fan, can you? No, no, it was it was amazing, uh, fantastic experience. And uh, 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 three years later, uh, mm-hmm. we went to to vacation in in uh, in Great Britain, and mm-hmm. uh, we went to the British Grand Prix at Silverstone in '91. And we had the, the really we had good tickets that time, so we were sitting in the Woodcote corner. Um, mm-hmm. But a few laps before the end, uh, my father said. I think we should go because it, the, the the lanes, the car lanes out of the, it will yeah. be completely chaotic. So so we went like two laps before the end, uh, and Nigel Mansell won that race, uh, and uh, Ayrton Senna he ran out of fuel, yep. so he had to hitchhike with Mansell, and that's a really famous picture. But I didn't see it oh. because then we were going out of the track. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, that that that's a big miss. Sheesh, what could have been that? That would have been some sight. But also, yeah. in terms of all the cars, I mean, you've you've witnessed so many of them, right? Back in the eighties as well, you've witnessed, of course, uh, the more present cars as well as you rightly mentioned. Which one? Which one, according to you, was just the best from a raw racing perspective? Uh, for me personally, that that's two thousand seven oh eight. I mean, those cars they just were fantastic. But which one do you think just? Strikes that nerve emotionally. Was it the eighty-eight ones? Uh, yeah, uh, the eighty-eight and the early nineties. Uh, I really liked the look of the cars before mm. you got all the small wings and the barge yeah. boards and everything. They looked cleaner, and that's also why I'm really looking forward to this year's cars. But th- because they remind me somehow of the of this generation. Um. So so yeah, I I. I I'm a pure racer. I, I'm more into racing than technology. Mm. Uh, so for me, I like that when the cars are a bit simpler, it's more up to the driver than up to the engineers. Um, so yeah, that generation, uh, late 80s, early 90s. But I also liked the cars 
between like 2009 and 2016. Mm. Uh, they didn't look that good. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't like the look of them, but I liked the racing. I think the racing was quite good. And even though the cars that were that were introduced in 2017, they looked spectacular. I think that was a wrong direction to go mm. with 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 the the big downforce cars. Yes, they were faster, and yes, we have had now a couple of seasons with great great racing. Uh, but I think that maybe because of other things happening. Um, we had like 2017, 2018 was not that good, I think, mm. uh, because the cars are so complex these days and it's so difficult to, to be close uh, out on the track. Uh, so I have to say that the, the regulation changes that we know how with, with this year's cars are one of the biggest in Formula 1 history. In, mm. And in my opinion, it's also maybe the... the or hopefully, I have to say, hopefully the smartest regulation change ever in Formula 1. Actually, just picking up this point for a minute, Atle, the cars are still slightly longer. Do you think that makes it a bit of an issue that the cars are still quite wide and still quite long? I mean, theoretically, they can follow better now. That's what the research and approaches say. But uh, do you think that they should be made smaller, perhaps? Yeah. Or how, do you, how do you look at it that way? Yeah, because if you compare to to the 80s, 90s cars, uh, especially, uh, hmm. the cars today are much bigger. Uh, but s- most tracks are not that much bigger. Uh, the, the tracks are quite, like, Monaco is not bigger than it was hmm. in, in 88. So, f- of course, with a bigger car on the same track, it's more difficult also with, with overtaking and, and good racing. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I would have liked to see smaller cars. Uh, but let's see now how, how the new cars will work out. Yeah. Uh, if they will work out as we hope and uh, as they are designed to do, I think it will be very, very good. Okay, now, Atle, before we go, I just have to ask you one more question. And this probably has to be the one that I was holding up for so long because it's probably going to be the most interesting one at least from my perspective but there's there's something on your website there's something really interesting where you've mentioned that you collect racetracks like people collect stamps <laughs> and i i absolutely love it 135 racetracks that you've been to uh, and and that was in 2019 by the way so hopefully that's added up but 50 that you've raced on including the notch lifer where you've won so many times ah you which one is the the best out of those 135 that you visited, Atle? And, and how did it come about that you've gotten such a diverse experience? And that's across countries. And from what I noticed, only a couple of them are in Norway. Most of them yeah, are yeah, across yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, thank you for this question. Um, it's um, w- w- One thing is very easy. Uh, hmm. Uh, what, what is the the greatest track in in on this planet? And that is the Nurburgring Nordschleife. Hmm. It's is nothing compares to that. Uh, and as I said to Kunal the other day, I, I just laugh when other people suggest other tracks than the Nordschleife when yeah. they talk about the best racetrack in the world because that's that's the Nordschleife period. 
you can't discuss that. That's the mother <laughs> of all racetracks. Uh, but of course, there are also a lot of other very nice and good racetracks around the world. Um, for me, I I have this uh, special interest in 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 tracks and in 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 track design, hmm. uh, circuit design. Um, I, I use a lot of time studying racetracks, and and uh, when I see a new drawing of a new racetrack, I can pretty much say if it will be a good track or a bad track. Hmm. Um, and I also have uh, an interest in traveling. I like to travel to to visit new countries and to travel together with my family. So when I'm I'm when we are traveling. I try to visit racetracks where I where I am, and um, I normally then con- contact the, the the management of this circuit before I I go there and ask if it's possible to have a few laps with my rental car or whatever, and uh, most often they say yes. So that's uh, that's uh, how I collect racetracks these days because. <laughs> As I said earlier, the last 15 years, I have mostly driven races at only one track, and that's on the Nürburgring. Hmm. Um, before, I, I traveled more to race in the US and around Europe. But um, today, I, I, I try to, to visit new tracks where, wherever I am when I'm traveling. Uh, so yeah, I've been driving now on 50 tracks. Uh, and um, that's my collection not stamps but uh, racetracks oh man I-, I wish they had stamps when you visited a racetrack I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we had this for formula e in hong kong where they just gave us a small layout of the track and something but that would have been so cool but you, you mentioned something so interesting over there you said that you can tell looking at a layout if it's going to be good or not now yep. this is going to be a perfect exciting note to end on miami it's coming up it's the most exciting one for 2022 is it a good circuit or not? And what actually makes for a good circuit when you just understand from looking at the layout? Uh, yeah, uh, to, to take your second question first, um, hmm. the thing is, with, with racetracks is that it's it's the difference between a, a, a circuit that is good for the driver and a circuit that is good for the spectator or the, the TV viewer. Hmm. That could be two completely different things. Uh a, a circuit that is good for a driver is a fast-flowing circuit. Uh, the best uh, race tracks uh, on the planet, I think, is uh, in in North America. Uh, mm, agreed. Uh, you have the, of course, the Nordschleife in in Germany, and you have Spa in Belgium, and you have Bathurst in Australia, etc. But if you look like all over, you have the old-style tracks in US. Uh, with like uh, Road America, you have Road Atlanta, Mid Ohio, Lime Rock, Virginia. VIR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good tracks. I guess you, you, with your eye racing, you, you have uh, done a lot of them. Um, they are so fun because they are fast. They are flowing. They have uh, elevation changes. Uh, they don't have uh, the big runoff uh, with tarmac, but you have uh, grass and, and gravel. Um, so they are fun. But but if you could imagine a Formula One race at the Nordschleife, it would probably not be fun to watch because they they wouldn't be able to 
overtake each other. Mm. So that's why you can have a Formula One track. The, the, the most important thing with a Formula One track is not that the drivers are going to like it, but that the spectators and the TV viewers are going to like it. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the most important thing when you design a Formula One track today, I think. Uh, and of course, the best thing is when you have the combination. It's a track that the, the drivers really, really like and also the, the spectators. Uh, about the track in Miami, uh, I'm personally not a big fan of uh, what you can call the parking lot racetracks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think it's, uh, it's a shame that the, the, the original idea in Miami was to have a race downtown. Uh, where we have had races before. You have had uh, IndyCar or kart races there. You have had IMSA races. If you watch some old episodes of Miami Vice, you can see some IMSA races yes. from uh, downtown Miami uh, by the sea. It would be That would have been the most spectacular. Uh, also, Formula E actually had a race there. Uh, so that would have been very spectacular, uh, like a Monaco feeling, sort of. Uh, but because so some protests and everything, they couldn't mm. have the race there, so they had to move it up to the stadium. I'm sh- I'm sure that the, the track itself will be good, um, and it will be good for for the show. Uh, but the the surroundings will not be that spectacular, I think. Hmm. Oh, that, that's going to be interesting, and there's only one way to find out. It's going to come up in a couple of months, so that's that's going to be lucky for us that we're able to find out. But Atle, seriously, this was such a fun episode. It's It's been around an hour and 10 minutes, and I don't even know how that's gone past. So thank you so much for having uh, for, for coming on and, and joining us for this episode, really. What, what a pleasure. What thank you so much for thank you so much for having me, uh, Somil and Kunal, and uh, good luck with your iRacing commentating, which I hear that you are doing, Somil and you. Uh, Kunal. You you have to come back to Norway soon because we need to prepare for the new Formula One season, and we need your <laughs> uh, we need your good job there, so we are ready for another season. And I think you're muted, Kunal. Now, that, that's what happens, usually. <laughs> Just a moment. I'm glad I did that only towards the end of the episode. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm going to be back pretty soon and we'll, we'll start preparing soon enough for yet another fun season. But I must say, I had the best seat in the house listening to all the stories. Uh, even though I've heard some of them, you know, uh, the, the depth with which Atle could, you know, describe them this time was fantastic. So... I'm pretty certain all our listeners are going to love them. And this is going to be one of those collector's editions, you know, when uh-huh. Atle does his 40th season and 50th season saying, hey, guess what? <laughs> you need to go and hear how this all started uh, 26 years ago. So thank you so much, Atle. It's, it's a delight to be uh, doing what I get to do with you and even more so to have you on our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to having you uh, back home in Norway. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And and folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode as well. If you liked what we went on about today, don't forget to leave a good rating. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and just share this with your friends and family members who enjoy the world of Formula One. Or maybe 
few that are actually starting to get interested in it so that maybe they can come on. And we usually have a lot of race reviews and race previews over here. But in the off-season, we tend to bring out interesting stories like the one we had with Atle here today. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. See you in a little bit. Bye-bye.